0: Fear of the Free Child is a weekly podcast that centers diverse narratives, insightful commentary, learning with our children and de-schooling ourselves, owning our multiple identities and treating children with dignity, creating community and sharing conversation from often silenced spaces, breathing life into liberation practices proactively and on purpose. It's about parenting, it's about self-directed education, loving, it's about learning, liberatory practices, defining love for ourselves and giving our love to as much of the world as it can possibly contain. I thought about starting this episode with another Miss Lou memory, <laughs> like I did the last one, Miss Louise Bennett Coverley, actually the right honorable Dr. Louise Bennett Coverley, if we want to be long and formal, but Miss Lou, as so many of us in Jamaica and abroad know and love her as. This woman has been all up in my emotional spaces (laughs) for the past few months. Miss Lou is one of the ancestors, one of the life guides. One of the mentors in my mind, one of my radical selfie heroes who has really just been taking a lot of space, wonderful, necessary space in my life recently as I discovered this connection between patois and parenting. She's been so heavy in the space for me that when I go, Chris and I will actually be going to, um, Arrow in New York next week and The whole first part of my keynote is about Miss Lou, because if you don't know her, look her up, cultural icon, folklorist, storyteller, woman who risks expression, woman who saw right past the foolishness in terms of our own people's disregard and disdain even, which is even worse, for patois, for this language and shared meaning that we created out of these dire situations where we were enslaved with people who had a different mother tongue and also our captors, and we were able to create ways to communicate with each other so that our captors didn't know what we were saying. And in some cases, we used that to free ourselves. In other cases, we used it to cope inside of that enslavement. Very powerful work. Very powerful words, very powerful meanings, very creative, liberating in many ways. Yet we looked at it as something that was negative because it didn't match what our colonizers taught us. She took that on. She changed our connection to language and culture. And as I'm going to be saying at Arrow, I really feel like parenting is another form of that. It's another form of patois because you're developing this shared meaning. With these new people, (laughs) whether they're your children or children, um, with whom you've been entrusted as an educator or facilitator of any sort, or just a village member, auntie, a play auntie, a play cousin, (laughs) all of that. We are developing a shared meaning. And in order to do that, we have to have a level of respect and appreciation for the differences that we have and the fact that we're going to view things differently. We have different lenses, but we get together. With this goal of sharing meaning, of communicating with each other, of understanding each other, of developing an appreciation for the cultural norms that comprise each of us. We're not trying to blend all into one. We're trying to appreciate all of the differences and find ways to grow in language and respect and regard and even create community together. That is the essence of Patois. And Miss Lou, I think has been wanting me to see that connection <laughs> and the energies that comprise Miss Lou now in the ancestral realm. They, I think I have a responsibility here, a charge here to continue in a sense. I'm not doing exactly what Miss Lou has done, certainly, but she is definitely one of the catalysts, maybe one of the primary catalysts for this new connection of seeing how it isn't even just about education. It isn't even just about liberation, but inside of those things, inside of learning, inside of liberty, inside of connectedness to self-confident autonomy, in terms and inside of all of those things, really at the core is a level of valuing the differences and learning to create shared meaning and having respectful love-centered communication, even when we're not clear (laughs) on the what and why of the other person, even when we're not clear about what the communication is telling us, even when we're not in agreement with, even when we are clear and are not in agreement with what the communication is telling us, what our child is doing, what our partner is doing, all of these things. Yeah, the more we get clear on how we can see what's happening in that space with that other person, the more we can step outside of our own egos and our own lenses and have a level of value and appreciation for something outside of us, then that's such a huge part of how we can actually raise free people and how we can actually raise ourselves outside of this colonized idea of who and how we should be the same way Miss Lu did when she lifted us up and raised us up after she raised herself up out of this space of this colonized idea of what language should sound like and this level of appreciation for our Africanness, the way we took up space, the way we talk, all of that. She took that on and said, no, this is not something that you hide. This is something that you celebrate. And here's why. I feel like that's a big part of what's happening. Certainly in our family, as we reframe the things that looked like behavior problems or reframe the things that looked like, um, lack of focus or the things that, the things that looked right even that we needed to do more of, like the ways that, uh, when Marley and Sage were in elementary school and got the, the talented and gifted labels and we were going further, further down in that space not to say that there's anything wrong with that space for everybody, but for our daughters, particularly with Marley, because she verbalized it repeatedly. Um, and Sage's personality <laughs> just made it so easy to see clearly that that space wasn't for her. When they were in that school setting, we just took on their ideas of what was right and true and good for our children. And we were disregarding who our daughters were in that moment and looking forward to, you know, who they could be if we get this thing right. And if we just follow those other people's leads about, you know, how our children should be showing up academically and why that should be the focus. This is not a vilification of the people at the school, right? But this is definitely turning the lens the other way and saying, yeah, but who is this for? Because if this is for Marley, if this is for Sage, then how could we not factor them in? Who are they? What is their language? And then together, through shared meaning and communication, we created and are still learning really the patois, which is the language that we've created together, the meaning that we are, the meanings, <laughs> multiple meanings that we're defining together. This is how Miss Liu is centered in our household and certainly in my thought processes and my feelings lately. So big up, Miss Lou. <laughs> Thank you for the work that you did during your lifetime and for the influence that you have now. Years later, Miss Lou passed in 2006 and she's been doing her work since, I don't know, maybe the sixties or seventies. Son, been in it for a minute and she was Tenacious and just wonderful, just this woman who just I always said like she brings the breeze with her, she used to bring the breeze with our wherever she went, and um, I'm bringing some of that breeze, a little bit of that breeze over to y'all now, so look up, Miss Lou <laughs> I have a wonderful announcement and an opportunity to connect because Chris and I are gonna do our very best to roll through this before. Something else we have going on on that date, Friday, August 11th, the Life School Atlanta run by Michaela Streeter and her team. Michaela has been on the podcast before here in Atlanta, runs a progressive high school that also has an unschooling program. It has a virtual unschooling program. Yes, that exists. How freaking exciting. They have a virtual unschooling program. They also have a virtual summer program. Their overall approach is very much directing your own education, directing your own studies, getting in touch with community. And if you want to go in beyond that to college, getting advanced degrees, just life skills that you can apply no matter where or how you decide to journey and to give you some tools and resources to understand how to get deeply into what you're already into. So I'm going to read the description. Tour our school's new space, connect with other great families and learn more about our exciting plans for the year. The Castleberry Hill Art Stroll will also be taking place that evening, so bring your walking shoes if you'd like to explore our new neighborhood. There'll be snacks, chess, coloring, and video games available. So this is Friday, August 11th, between 7 to 9 p.m. at 217 Walker Street Southwest, ATL, Georgia three zero three one three. Okay. This is the life school Atlanta, their open house on August 11th. And you can go to the life school on Facebook to RSVP to register. It's free and it's August 11th. And I might see you there. Michaela, thanks for letting me know. And hopefully I'll see you that Friday. Let me take a moment to thank my three newest patrons rounding out July. Well, we still got a few more days. I'm recording this on the 28th of July. And I have to thank Marie, Kelly, and Zara. Now I know two women named Zara, and I love that name so much. Marie, Kelly, and Zara, my newest patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Akilah. Thank you so much, Marie, Kelly, Zara. Listen, I gotta say, The patrons of this podcast give so much love. I just love y'all. Folks posting online, and I don't like to get specific and say people's names or connect them to specific things unless I get their permission, but I will say that I just love folks posting online doing things like getting rid of their gym memberships to become a supporter of this work, this community, this podcast. Folks are increasingly telling me about the shifts that are happening for them with each episode. They share it on Facebook and someone tags me in it or Instagram and someone tags me in it. (sighs) All the good feels. Listen, I really appreciate this so much. It's like, you know, you set out to do this work. Something moves you. Something motivates you. Something gives you a sense of accountability to expand a body of work, to create community. And you do it like I've done many times before, and this one just feels like it it just took on a life of its own. It was the right time. It is the right time. And I'm meeting incredible people, everyday people who are doing this work, people who have notoriety who've been doing this work to help me expand my reach and all of that, people who I feel like when we get together, we just like hold hands in a cipher to share our connectedness to the work and to share our efforts and our resources and our energies. That happens a lot in <laughs> during our board meetings with the Alliance for Self-Directed Education. I just love these spaces because specifically with the Alliance, we come from very different backgrounds. We don't always agree on things, but there's this <sighs> this deep level of appreciation for boom, bring it right back. What it is is a patois creation. Miss Lou all up in the mix again. <laughs> it's a patwa creation that's happening among us because we each came to it from different walks, but we have this shared goal and we have these levels of commitment to the work. And so we get together, whole hands, share energies, bring this cipher to the mix. And then what comes out as a result of each one, then we go out and till that soil, we do that work. And then we get together again and energize and, you know, this is good. And so I feel like On Patreon, we're also doing that. We're not meeting up a couple times a month, but, well, in a sense, we are, because you listen to the podcast four times a month, sometimes five, depending on the month. And then I'm also updating Patreon itself with some information, So, and then some of us communicate on social media. So I really appreciate what's happening with the work, and I know that it's the right time. And I also feels like a reward for my work. Of course, there's the financial component of Patreon. Even more than that is your feedback, because I use that to sort of balance the feeling of overwhelm that comes up as I manage this podcast. It can be a lot to produce this every week. I don't just turn on my computer and my mic and just like start chatting. I don't ever do that. I put thought and sometimes research into every single episode and the editing process and sharing and creating images and finding the right people, not just any old body, you know, to share this space with. It's a lot of work and I'm up for it. I'm here for it. I'm going to do this work. Y'all going to get this work, <laughs> but your support makes it so much easier and so much more enriching. And it helps me to build upon the work because next season, whew, Next season about to be lit. I love that phrase, about to be lit. (laughs) Next season is about to be lit. I already have some episodes in the can and the format is going to change because I'm, you know, I'm an explorer. I'm definitely always open to just trying new things. And the more help I get, the more I can really produce this podcast the way I want to produce the shit out of this podcast. Because right now there's a lot that I'm just sort of like making do with. And it's still quality because that's how I do and that's what you deserve. But next season, I'll have some help. So the format is about to be a little bit more uh, grown. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> so thank you, Marie, Kelly, and Zara for being among the 25 people so far who trust and support this work, who put their hard-earned money towards this investment in creating, expanding, and centering, really, the experiences and stories of people of color who endeavor to raise free people, and who endeavor to raise free people in part by living self-directed, liberatory, child-trusting, decolonized, unschooled lives with children they love. Gracias. Much appreciated. More to come. (laughs) <laughs> so the show notes page for this episode is com forward slash four seven. com forward slash four seven. And I'll have some good and juicy notes on there as usual. All right. So on episode 47 today, I want to talk about shared meaning. In the intro, I said a little bit about and how that came as a result of the need to create shared meaning and community in dire straits. Some of us who come to unschooling or other forms of self-directed education come to it from dire straits. I keep saying and, and sharing as often as possible that we got to reframe this idea that unschooling or self-directed education overall is a luxury Because there's nothing luxurious about breaking your kid out of prison and then finding ways to start to decolonize their minds and help them to own themselves. If we look at shit like that as a luxury, we're not in a good space. And many of us are not in a good space. I get that. But y'all, we got to reframe that narrative. It is not a luxury. It is a survival with the intent to thrive thing. I think I posted that somewhere recently and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> I think an essay. So when something comes up, that's what I want to do. I want to write an essay around it. And that's how I make sense of it. When I write, it isn't just for you. It's also for me. I've been doing that since I was probably six or seven years old. That's how I process. And when I wrote it, I was like, mm-hmm. yes, this is exactly what I mean. I mean that breaking our children out of imprisonment in any form (laughs) is not a luxury. I know that the idea that it's a luxury comes from the notion that all we know is schooling. All we know is schoolishness. And then also all we know is survival. A lot of us and not just black folks, you know, like a lot of us only know how to get to survival mode and then coast on that. And this is a part of why unschooling is so beautifully liberatory. That is how it's tied to things like social justice. Because when you start to own yourself, when you explore, not even accept <laughs> before that shit, when you start to explore the idea of owning yourself, when you start to explore the notion that things around you are oppressive and that that oppression is an option, like there are ways for you to get out of that. The shit ain't going to be comfortable. The shit might not be easy, but it is not a luxury. When you start doing those sort of things, then you recognize the urgency around ownership of self. You recognize the urgency of creating language and shared meaning and internal and external environments that support your growth, that support your ability, your capacity, and let me tell it, you're right to thrive. And you can't do that if someone else is in charge of all aspects of you. Even when you're not in that space, the thing is in charge of aspects of you. Because schoolishness doesn't just show up in school. These ideas of learning a certain thing at a certain time and being able to show somebody that you know it and being validated by what someone else says you should or shouldn't know. That shit isn't just happening in school, Shadow. That's like everywhere. Right. It is ubiquitous than a mug. So the recognition of that and the ways that we individually, collectively in our families, in our communities, in all of these spaces, the ways that we learn to live free, you know, the ways we break ourselves and our children out of that and then learn how to live in that space. That is not luxury. (laughs) That is learning how to thrive. And so. And so that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about some of the ways that we can use this unschooling mindset to learn more about ourselves, to live on the other side of oppression. So we want to learn through unschooling about ourselves, our patterns, and definitely our children, but in that order, by the way, because so much of this, and I've heard so many other people come to this realization, I couldn't agree more. So much of this work ain't got nothing to do <laughs> with children, or children are maybe like fifth or sixth down in the order of things, not in terms of priority, but in terms of the shift. So much of this shifting has to do with us, the adults, the parents, the educators, uh, the caregivers. The more we dive into the layers of us, the less we need to control or fix or change children. So that's what I mean when I say children are further down the line in terms of the work that is being done through unschooling. It starts out as an education thing. It starts out as a way of removing our children from the prison from the fire of forced compulsory education. And then we start to realize that a lot of it has to do with us. So that's what I want to talk a little bit about today. I want to frame this sort of out loud thought process around Discipline, bodily autonomy, and outside opinions. I wrote that down. I wanted to make sure I got that right. I want to talk about discipline, bodily autonomy, and outside opinions. Those three things are really effective. (laughs) Yeah, that's the word. Those three things are really effective means of keeping us oppressed and enslaved and trapped inside systems where there's no way for us to thrive discipline, bodily autonomy, and outside opinions. And let me tell you what I mean by each of those. First up, discipline. No one needs me to define discipline for them, right? You know what your idea of discipline is, especially when it comes to a child and even more specifically when it comes to your child, right? And when I say your child, I mean not just parents, but I also mean educators because educators view the learners in their environments as theirs in that space. So when we talk about the discipline component and how that relates to unschooling and, you know, liberatory living in particular, there is so much de-schooling that needs to be done because you know this, you you probably know exactly where I'm going with this. We have been taught (laughs) and trained and groomed into these really fucked up ideas of what discipline means, specifically when it comes to children. And we could even go further in and say, even for ourselves, like think about how many times in a day, son, that you beat up on yourself for not being disciplined enough to, I don't know, not eat that third slice of peach cobbler, if you're me, or beating up on yourself because you didn't exercise today again, or because you didn't do this, or you did do this. Like we know that we beat up on ourselves, like discipline is this thing that it's said, or the way that it's sold to us is that if you have it, it'll make your shit so much better. You know, it'll make life so much better in every way. But really, it just becomes this thing that reminds us of the things that we can't get right. And I'm using air quotes for right. That's what discipline ends up being. It ends up for a lot of us not being helpful at all. The word sounds good, And it sounds great to be able to say that you're going to apply it to some shit that you want to get better at. But how often do we actually do that successfully? I think a big part of that is not because we don't have enough discipline, but because we need to reframe what that even means. What the hell does it even mean? We know what we've been taught that it means. It means that you decide to do something or or you commit to doing something, even involuntarily, right? For example, with school, because we talk about discipline all the time in a schoolish environment, but it isn't something that the learner committed to do. It's something that they've been uh, forced to do. Or things that we feel like we need to do, even though we don't want to, like exercise. That's an easy one to bring up. I enjoy movement, but a lot of people don't, and I get it because I don't like a certain type of exercise. So my discipline isn't in trying to make myself do the forms of movement that people say that I should be doing. My discipline is learning the ways that I can integrate movement into my life regularly that doesn't feel like exercise so that I can be consistent with movement. So that movement cannot be this chore that I have to do four or five times a week, but movement becomes a normal part that's integrated into my flow, into my desires, into my day. That for me is what discipline looks like. So relating that to children, relating that to this idea of how we can get them to be better or how we can give them these life skills that are important, because that's usually what it boils down to. Relating it to that, one way that we can deschool ourselves from how discipline works is observation. <laughs> observation, more specifically witnessing, because I feel like observing is one thing, but I feel like witnessing is a more active form of observation. And observation isn't actually passive, but witnessing, I think, has a lot more sense of responsibility, personal accountability than just observing. And if you took my workshop, if you did the Raising Free People workshop, we talked a lot about that. So if you're listening and you took that workshop, tell somebody what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, but I don't want to get too deeply into the differences between observing and witnessing, but witnessing is a way that we can de-school ourselves from what discipline looks like. The reason I say that is that all of us have built-in discipline mechanisms. Any of us. I look at my daughters. I look at other people's children. When you are connected to something, you want to be consistent in your effort. You want a level of discipline. And so for me, as I've watched Marley and Sage over the years since we've been unschooling and learning what that actually means in practice, I'm seeing their built-in discipline mechanisms. I'm seeing, you heard Marley on the previous episode talking about how she wants to get further involved in dance. Everything from the way that she's eating to how much movement she's getting in every day, making sure that she does a certain amount of pushups because her upper body strength is an important part of her ability to move a certain way and do certain dances. These are things that she came up with completely on her own, not the ideas. She researched what other people have done you know, stealing like an artist. Yo, Austin Kleon needs to be on this show because he's another person that's coming up in my life a lot. Have y'all read steal like an artist? If you know Austin Kleon, tell him, I see it. He need to be on this show <laughs> because I've learned so much from his work and even now his newsletter and all of that. Anyway, that idea of discipline is really built in for a lot of us. We don't need to go and apply other people's ideas. We need to synthesize them. We get, so using Marley's example of dance, she knew that she was interested. She felt like what she was doing was nowhere near enough. She wants to compete in a particular competition that's happening later this year. But she said, no, I know that I'm not ready. So I'm going to take a year to get this work. And then next year, I'll be ready. So let me look at what other people have done. Okay, I'm looking at these other examples of how other dancers prepare. So I'm going to take all of that information. I'm going to synthesize it. I'm going to process it. I'm going to mine that information. And then I'm going to take the bits and pieces that make sense for me. And then I'm going to see how I can apply that to my everyday living. That is a form of discipline. Now, for some people, it may mean I'm going to do this dance routine every day from 1030 to 1130, no matter what. And then there are days where you can't do it, so you beat yourself up. What if you reframe that to say, every day I'm going to get this hour in. Sometimes it might be from 10.30 to 11.30. Other times it might be from 3 to 4. I may skip a day. If I skip a day, maybe I'll figure out how to get it in two times on another day. Like, that is also discipline. But we've been groomed, taught, socialized, forced to believe that it needs to be this rigid, formalized thing, and that if we don't do it that way, it won't work. And we also tell ourselves that when we give ourselves space to make it work for us, then we're not doing it right. We're copping out. You know, terms like cheat days, for example, when you talk about dieting and people say cheat days, don't even get me started on that. I hate that term. And I use the word hate. Very sparingly. So when I use it, know that I mean it. I hate that term, cheat day, because it, you know, if you're cheating on yourself, what kind of message does that send? How about it's not a cheat day? It's, I'm eating this today and then tomorrow I'm doing these things and these. We have to reframe that. And I don't want to try to sell you on an idea. I'm putting this out there for the people who are saying, yeah. Oh. Either I've felt that way too, thank you for articulating that for me, Akila. or the people who are saying, Yo, I never thought about that shit. Thank you. Let me, let me, you know, let that one marinate. So if it doesn't apply to you, if you think that discipline means that you do the things every day at the same time, no matter what, or you're a failure, if that's working for you, then go ahead, do you boo boo. So that's the first one, discipline. The I guess the takeaway or the one that I want to highlight, because you'll have your own takeaways, but the one that I want to highlight as it relates to discipline and unschooling is that discipline shows up through witnessing. When you can pay attention to your own patterns or the patterns of your child or whomever, you can start to see the ways that they approach discipline, the way that they approach a need to get consistent or better or excellent even at a particular thing. And when you use that power of witnessing to see how it's showing up for you or for them, and you build around what you have observed, that is also a way to approach discipline, a way that doesn't force you to beat up on yourself when you don't do this exact thing this exact way, a way to allow you to build up the muscles to get to the point where you are consistent because it is something that is connected and aligned with how you flow and what you need and it will change you because let's not front, a part of being disciplined about something is not just about self-acceptance, it's about change. It's something that we want to change about ourselves and that's okay, but the way we go about doing it is important, we do not have to beat up on ourselves. And try to fit ourselves into another groove, another pattern. When we can use the power of observation to define our existing pattern, and then build upon that, you get me? All right. So this is how real in the field things are on Fear of the Free Child podcast. I gotta go. <laughs> I have two other ones to talk about: right, bodily autonomy and outside opinions. But I'm gonna have to do that on another show because something just came up and I got to (laughs) go. See, this is why I need the help because I need to be able to have recording sessions that are making sense for my flow, as I just talked about. But um, it's all good. It'll be okay because you'll know where to come to. I'll hit you up because you'll see it all over social media when I have the other episode up. So I might do an in-between episode or I might bring this all into the other episode where I talk about the other two. But um, this is real life and I got to (laughs) go. (laughs) family calls. But I appreciate you for listening. I want you to feel through what I've shared so far. And we have one more episode to go, maybe two if I do a bonus one. I plan to do one more episode when Chris and I get back from New York, get back from Arrow, because I want to sort of debrief about that experience and give whatever goodies came up so you can have your version of an Arrow experience if you're not coming through. If you can, It's at Long Island University post-campus, so look out for that episode, plus another bonus one in between, potentially. (laughs) And then I'm going to go on hiatus, and I'm going to do that for at least a month. And during that time, though, I'm going to be engaging my peoples, all 26 of us, 25 of you plus me, on Patreon. So I am going to be doing weekly updates there. Sometimes there'll be video. Sometimes it'll be in writing. Sometimes it'll be audio, but I'm going to still engage my patrons every week because you took an extra step. So head on over to Patreon. You can start for as little as $3 a month or you can do like a one time thing, whatever, whatever you can. Just come through and be a part of that space. That's what I'll be doing to stay in touch and keep the community flowing while I'm on hiatus and I'm also going to be working on some things, some really exciting, scary things that I'm not going to say too much about right now, but as they continue to develop, one of them is an event. I'm so excited, but um, yeah, so I got to really put some concentrated energy and effort into those spaces. So that's why I'm taking a break in between seasons to do those things. So in the meantime, we got another, at least one more episode to go. I appreciate you as always. Spread the love. Share this episode if you liked it. Share any episode that you like. I still need your reviews on iTunes. If you look up Fear of the Free Child on iTunes, your reviews help to boost the podcast so that more people see it. So even if it's just saying, yo, I love this shit, put that on there. Try to do some (laughs) to help spread the word. Share it on Facebook, Twitter. Leave a note on SoundCloud. If you're listening on Google Play Music, shout me out on there. Just, you know, spread the word. Love y'all.
1: Thanks for listening to Fair the Free Child Podcast. Like the show? Then show your love or give your feedback at akilaS I love to sing. mm mm-hmm, yeah. I love to dance, watch me tap my toes I love to smile, smile, smile I love to laugh Cause ain't nobody gonna stop me, not me I'm gonna let my soul fly free, fly free Can't nobody stop me now I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get out Cause I am so brave I am so brave, brave, brave I am so brave I am so brave, 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 brave. I love my music, Mm-mm, yeah I love my guitar travel here and yonder I love to fly, 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 fly fly away Get up on that greyhound Mmm, yeah Might go through your town, might go through your town, get up in that valley way down low That's where I wanna go Wanna go, cause ain't nobody gonna stop me, not me Let my soul fly free, fly free Can't nobody stop me now I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna get up Cause I am so brave I am so brave, brave, brave I am so brave I am so brave, brave Climb up a tree I love to row my boat Across that river I love to dance on oh, sucky suka, Look at my feet Ain't nobody gonna stop me Not me I'm gonna let my soul Fly free Fly free Can't nobody stop me Now I'm gonna get up I'm gonna get out Cause I am so brave I am so brave, brave, brave I am so brave I am so brave, 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 brave just ain't nobody gonna stop me, not me I'm gonna let my soul fly free, fly free Can't nobody stop me now I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna